Hey, let's do this since I can't see everybody that's watching online, but I can see all of you kind of, all our lights are on full blast, so I can see a third of you. Uh, but can we just celebrate everybody that's joining us online? Can we do that together? And just a round of applause. There we go. I'm really glad, you know, we very specifically said as we've kind of gone into this new season that this isn't going back. And I think that's the phrase that we've heard so much, like going back to normal. But can I tell you, we're never going back. We're always going forward. Um, and people are like, there's a new normal, there's a new, let me tell you, there's not a new normal, there is a new season and a new blessing that God has for his church. And so I'm, I'm really excited about all that God's going to do. And I, I've really been praying through this new season. Uh, this has been, even before this crisis, a, a journey for us as the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart that something is coming that is going to change uh, a lot of the way that we do church. And so we've been really praying for a while now, Katie can attest to that about something unique and, and new that God is doing. And I, I felt like God gave me this phrase from scripture that our call in this new season like never before is to equip the saints. You know, like, what does that mean, equip the saints? Let me, let me explain it to you. I'm going to give you three words that are going to explain and, and uh, what I'm talking about, and it's going to bless your life. Are you ready? Are you sure? Are you ready? Okay, here they are. If you're taking notes, write this down. Curry chicken dressing. You're like, what? <laughs> okay, let me, let me explain. Um, my dad makes this curry chicken dressing, and uh, we like it. We eat it a lot. I've ate it since I was a kid. And when I was a kid growing up, I always just watched him cook. My dad is one of my favorite cooks because he goes purely based off of feel. And as somebody who, who isn't a big fan of restrictions, I love that kind of cooking. That's why I'm a terrible baker. I'm like, teaspoon, tablespoon, like, man, you know, we'll just feel it out. But you can't feel it out when it's in the oven, right? So I'm used to just kind of like feeling it out, doing my thing, like just learning by doing. Learning by doing should probably be our family motto. Um, but as we were, as he makes this dressing, my wife decided I want to make this salad. And so she said, can you teach it to me? And he's like, well, I don't really have a recipe for this. I just kind of do what I feel. And like, I could have told her that, like, I've known that for 32 years. Uh, and she's like, uh, but how do I make it? And he's like, I, just, I made it for you. So he, he was awesome. Uh, my dad is a gifts of service person. He loves to serve people. And so he made this dressing and he gave it to my wife. And my wife goes, well, yeah, but I need to know how, to, how I make it, how to make it. And, and he says, well, like, I'll just make it for you whenever you want. And she says, yeah, but what happens when you're gone? He's like, are you planning to kill me? What, what is, what do you mean when I'm gone? She's like, well, you know, like, if you're not there, how do I make it? Like, I've sure, I've watched you make it. Sure, like, I could kind of get the general feel. Sure, I've watched you put the ingredients. But, like, teach me how to make this thing so not only can I make it, but I can teach others to make it. What about the ingredients makes it good? What, how do I prepare the ingredients? How do I mix them? Why do you put these things in? See, teaching somebody isn't just explaining here are just the rudimentary elements of a thing, right? It's like, why? why? Like, if you learn about a war, you're not just learning about the dates. You, you, there, there's some info packed in there. If you're learning about history or, or, or mathematics or English, right, when you learn things, you want to learn the, the why, not just the what, and so it's like, t teach me why. You know, like, why do you add garlic? Why do you add powdered garlic and not minced garlic? I, there isn't any garlic in it. I, I don't think. I've never made it, so I don't know. Um, I, just, I just watch him make it. You know? 
But it was interesting as I was thinking about that, like the Lord spoke to me very clearly, and he said, this is the problem we have in the church right now, is how can I teach someone else to make something that, that I don't even really know the recipe for? Have you ever, you come into church, this is, I don't know, it, maybe it's your first time online, maybe you watch a sermon, so maybe this doesn't apply, but you, you've gone to church, you watch a sermon, something, you've eaten a really good meal, and you've thought, man, it'd be great if I knew how to prepare this for somebody else. And you leave going, man, I'm so full, uh, man, I'm, I'm so satisfied, I'm full of this good meal, and we walk out into the world and we go, well, now I'm hungry again. But if I never learned to cook, I can't feed myself. So then I got to like wait and go hungry and then come back, eat a nice big meal, get loaded up, and then go back out and go hungry. But that's not how we were created to live, church. We were created to not only be fed but to feed, to not only be discipled but to disciple others. And so what happens is we come in, we get, we get fed, and then we leave with so many questions. Like, for instance, if, if we do a series on prayer and I say, yeah, let's talk about prayer. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is a blessing. Prayer is everything. You go, yeah, that's really great. I love that. I'm like, all right, now go do it. And you're like, okay, cool. And you go out and you take your curry chicken dressing and, and you see like, okay, well, I think he put, I think he put some, some oil in that and some mayonnaise and some, I'm going to guess curry, maybe chicken. You'd be wrong because there's not even chicken in the dressing. And, you know, you get like the different pieces and you're like, okay, I, I think I have it, but it doesn't quite taste right. Right? Like, how equipped do you feel in that moment? Same thing's true in prayer. We, we leave and we go, okay, but, but how do I pray? How, does Jesus, how long am I supposed to pray? Like, when you first, if you're a, 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 maybe a longer believer, you've been a believer for a while, did you ever have that thought when you first became a believer or new believers? You have that thought like, okay, what, what's the time frame for prayer now? Like, is it like a two-minute thing, a five-minute thing, an hour thing? Right? It's like, how long? So we have all these questions. Why do I pray? And oftentimes the answer that we're given is just pray. And I think that's a pretty good answer, if I'm going to be honest. Just cry out to God. I, I love that. I love that we can just cry out to God. But can I tell you that those moments of just crying out to God are a blessing and a gift. But learning about prayer and learning how to disciple others in prayer is also a gift. It's not just the childlike cry that's a gift. That is a gift. But there's so much more. And so our mission at Banner Church has, has been, and my mission as a pastor and our mission as a team has been, how do we train people in uh, these spiritual disciplines that enrich our life, but it's not so that we just eat, 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 become a glutton and go about our life. It's so that we bring people to the table, we cook for them, we disciple them, we prepare for them, we teach them. That's why we hit fasting every year, because I think that's a big deal. But we don't hit it every year for you. We hit it every year so that you can teach Others. You're like, man, I feel like I've heard this sermon on fasting a couple times. It's like, well, good, take notes and then teach it to someone else. That's why we come together. <laughs> Fill up, pour out. And so in this season, we said, like, okay, we feel like God is calling us to equip like never before. And so we want to give as many possible tools to empower you in the mission that God has given you. God's given us a pretty amazing mission. I want to read it to you in Matthew 28, verse 19. It won't be on the screen. I just want you to hear the words today. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. 
And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is, that's the mission of Jesus, to go, to seek and save, but to teach. And so we're like, okay, that's the mission of Jesus. That's the mission of church. What's a way we could do this? And so as we were praying, I, I feel like God gave me this almost oxymoron term, Pentecostal liturgies. Uh, we joked about it in our pre-service meeting. If you're Pentecostal, you're concerned about the word liturgy. And if you're a very liturgical person, you're concerned about the word Pentecostal. And if you don't go to church and you're watching us online because you just happen to find us on YouTube, you're like, I don't know if I clicked the right button because both these words are concerning to me. <laughs> so I want to explain. Pentecostal liturgy. Why are we calling it this? Why are we starting this series? Why do, do we really believe this is going to equip the saints? Well, first and foremost, Pentecostals talk about that word. What's Pentecostal? You're like, are those the weirdos that dance around babbling with the snakes? I mean, maybe. <laughs> if we're going to be honest. No, no. Here's the thing. Pentecost. What is Pentecost? Pentecost is actually next week. We're going to celebrate it. Pentecost is the day where Jesus, having come to earth, died for our sins, rose again, ascends to heaven and says, listen, I'm going to send my spirit, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, to be with you, to dwell within you, and to guide you. And so on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls and is with every believer, and we're thankful that every day that the Holy Spirit is with us, amen, that he dwells with us. And so you are... This is going to mess you up if you're a Baptist and you click this link or something, you know. Uh, you're a Pentecostal if you believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and active and dwells with us. Now, obviously, it's much more expansive. You can do your research, knock yourself out. But for the term of what we believe, Pentecostal liturgy, it's Pentecostal because it believes that the Spirit is alive and active and moving. It's a liturgy because a liturgy is a means of worship. It's a means of worship. It's oftentimes prayers or guidance, sometimes call and response. There's a great church history of call and response liturgies. The lead pastor would say something or the priest or whatever would say something, and the congregation would respond, and there's this unifying element. It's unified corporate worship. And so the, these were tools to practice the way of Jesus Christ. Did you know this, that Jesus was not just an example for you to love, but an example for you to emulate that we are not called to think Jesus was neat. We are called to live as Jesus lived. And so we're like, man, we really want to dive in and teach and begin to equip because I want every person at Banner Church, whether you're in person at Scottsdale or online, to go out of your home or in your own home and teach and guide and disciple others and be a part of the beautiful thing that it is to follow Christ. And you don't have to have 100 people. But when you begin to disciple here and grow here, all of a sudden you will just see the opportunity blossom to share what God's doing. And so we said, let's start with prayer. Let's start teaching how to pray. Why? Because prayer is a blessing. I don't know if you knew this. Like, you're not big into prayer. Or maybe it's just you don't have the, uh, you've never really been around anybody that prays. And so when you see prayer, you're like, I, I don't know about prayer. But, but prayer is actually a blessing because prayer is communicating with God. Because communication means what? It means two things. It means I talk and I do what? I listen. I just gave you half of pre-marriage counseling right there, young people. <laughs> right there. It means to talk. We should communicate better. Yes, you should. Listen. Listen. 
And so it's a huge deal because we have access to God. We can come before God, we can speak with him, and he answers our prayers, and he hears our prayers. It's a blessing. Philippians 4, 6, I, I love this scripture. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, will surpass, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. This is what's awesome is prayer and corporate prayer, it breaks chains, it heals hearts, it moves mountains, it raises the dead, it restores relationships, it releases anxiety, it reinforces identity, it reveals more of God's love. Prayer is a powerful blessing that God has given us. Amen? It is a blessing. It's a blessing to do it together. It is a command to do it together. We're about to see in a second, prayer is sometimes singular, often plural, as in we get to do it together. Prayer is a blessing where we get to gather and God moves in the prayers of his people. So the question is, how do we pray? You're like, I, I want some of that. We're like, I want, I want God to move in my life. I want to hear from God. I want to, I want to share the weight of my heart before the Lord. Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. You're like, well... I heard, Pastor, that we just come to God however we are and say whatever we want. And, and I think that you are right in that. Like, I love that we can just come before God and cry our heart. I love that Scripture tells us the Holy Spirit intercedes when all we have is groans. Everyone ever just prayed a groan? Like, at the end of your day, just like, Ugh, like, Holy Spirit intercede in this moment. Like, you just feel that. You need the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit intercedes and groans. But, but let's be honest here, especially new, new believers. Have you ever been to a worship night and you get like five minutes in and you're looking around and people are just like, and you're like, How are, what are you still praying about? Like, come on, if you're really honest, especially men, come on, I see you, I'm on stage, I look you in the face when this happens, and it's like, you get like 10 minutes in, and you're like, you're praying, and you really came to worship night to really dive into prayer, and you're praying, and you're like, God, thank you, um, yeah, yeah, whatever the band said, yes, God, I thank you for that, yes, God, I thank you, thank you, yes, Gianna, repeat that again, yes, thank you, amen, yes, thank you, oh, again, okay, yep, thank you. Thank you, God. Okay, one more time. I guess we're, we're still here. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you. And then you're like, you're like what, what else is there? Everyone's like getting so into it, and you're like, what, what are you guys, what are you all talking about? <laughs> and so you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to double down because, you know, apparently that must be how faith works is I just keep trying uncomfortably until it feels comfortable. <laughs> and so you're like, well, I'll just keep trying. And so you're like, dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord. Six eggs, two gallons. I do need milk. Thank you, Jesus. I do need milk. Man, I hope the dog, I hope the dog, did I let the dog, did I let the dog, it's a garage door open. God, God, I wonder if they have milk at Fry's. I bet they do. I wonder, man, will they release season two? I wonder if they're going to release it. And you're like, oh, no, no, I should be praying. I should be praying. Okay, God, God, I thank you. You're so worthy. God, I thank you. Praise your name. I wonder when baseball is going to start. Praise you. Dang it. Right? Like, you just hop back and forth because you run out of things. You find you're, like, halfway through your grocery list and then, like, what you have recorded on DVR. I, I, I find that as people is because what happens is, like, we just try to grit it uncomfortably through, like, different elements of our faith rather than being honest. Like, hey, could someone just teach me how to do this? Like, could someone just maybe teach me? How to pray so I don't got to be that guy at a worship night that's like, I wonder if I just quietly shift three inches, I'll be out of the door by the time this thing's over in an hour. 
how do we pray? Well, Jesus thought it was important to teach his disciples to pray too. And so he teaches his disciples to pray because it's a powerful blessing. Jesus actually wants a relationship with you. Did you know that? Jesus wants to, to communicate, to pray, to have intimacy with you through prayer. And so he teaches in Matthew 6, which we're going to look at in a second. He teaches in Matthew 6, here's how to pray. And prayer had kind of shifted in Jesus' day. I think it, it's a lot like how it always tries to shift. And it become this hyper-religious activity with a lot of rhetoric. All these fancy words and lots of repetition that would be showing off the person. There was a lot of ceremony. It was all about the ceremony of the person, not the power of God, not, not humility. It was all about the, this ceremony. And, and, and you know what I'm talking about. You've been in those moments where, like, you're just trying to pray for your day. Like, God, I'm so mad about work. And someone's like, by the oil of Aaron's beard, descend. You're like, what is going on? Right? Like, I don't know any of these words. You, like, walked into a church and there's listing out Isaiah prophecy. And you're like, I don't, I don't, I was just kind of more on the road of, like, God, my car's broke down. Please help. Right? And so we feel like there's a separation between the holy that pray all these great scriptures and then like all of us normies. And you're like, no, you're the pastor. You can't be one of us. Trust me, I am too. Like, we are all the same. Uh, and, and so there, there has to be this, there was this division, but there should be a unity. And so God, Jesus came to say prayer is not just for the pious or religious, prayer is for all people. So let me teach you how to pray. Here's where he teaches. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. Open your Bible to Matthew 6, verse 9. If not, the words will be on the screen and on the screen online as well. I'm going to read this with you. Matthew 6, verse 9. This is Jesus talking. He says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's like, of course Jesus nails it, right, on his prayer. It's so good. Like, if you just prayed that, just that. Now, this is, this is teaching, it's guiding. But there's so much here that, that he's saying in this one portion. And so we want to break it down every week. So this week, I just want to hit this very first verse. Can we do that? Just the very first verse. Matthew 6, 9. Pray then like this. I wonder what he means. Pray then like this. <laughs> Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I like how he says that. Pray then like this. Not with rhetoric. Not trying to show off. Not trying to make yourself proud. But sometimes we can twist that and say, okay, well, he said pray in private, go into your room, pray in private. So we must not be, we shouldn't pray together. That anytime you pray together, that's just showing off. That would be true, except for the very problematic fact that the very first word he puts in the scripture is our Father. Look, look at the phrasing our Father in heaven. On earth, uh, then verse 11, give us this daily bread. Verse 12, forgive us us our debts as we, and 13, lead us, not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Prayer is not only a conversation for you and God, it's a corporate gathering opportunity. Like we were meant to, to gather and pray together. So don't think what I'm describing here is like you can only do this in your person, but this is a blessing for us as a church. So here's what he says, our Father in heaven. I like that phrase. Say, our Father in heaven. Oh. 
That sounded a little droney. That's going to scare the people online. They're not wearing robes. I promise if you're watching online, it's very normal in here. Let's try that again. Our Father in heaven. Amen. It's important. Our Father in heaven. He's our Father. Think about that. We all have all our different backgrounds, all our different struggles, all our different life. We all have one Father God. And I love that. We all, like, well, I don't know if I'm connected. Well, we are connected because we have the same Father. Our Father, our Father. And, and look what it says, our Father in heaven. I love this dual nature of God. God is intimate with us. He's intimately with us. He is with you and I as our Father. And yet he is also infinitely reigning as our Father in heaven. Because the foundation of prayer is God. So we're going to start this whole prayer teaching, how do I pray? We're going to start with one word and one being God. So how do I pray? Very first thing, I want you to write this down. Declare who God is. The absolute best place to start and the place that Jesus started in teaching on prayer is declaring who God is. Why? Because declaration puts God in the right position. Like, he's already there, but to us, in our perspective, in our heart, in our mind, in our prayer, declaring who God is puts God in the right position. It puts him in the right position in our prayer, puts him in the right position in our focus, it puts him in the right position in our life. And that's important because here's two, here's two reasons. Prayer has power because of God's authority. Right? Like prayer does not have power because of my words. Like it, we, could, we could make up some really great prayers and uh, they, they would have no power if there was no powerful God. Now you, you could pray to this tile right here. It's not going to answer you. Like we could build like just the most legit statue you have ever seen. We could gold plate the Statue of Liberty and fall on our knees and say, oh, great Statue of Liberty, bring us liberty. And it would go <laughs> creak, creak, creak. And it would not answer us. You know why? Because it's not real. It's an idol. But God has authority. Your prayer doesn't have power because your words. Your prayer has authority because of who God is. So what should we do right when we start praying? We should say, this is who you are, right? God, I recognize you and put you in the right position. Because what's cool is prayer not only has power because of God's authority, and so, like, we're just these weak beings, and we should just, like, hope that God gives us some of his power as if he's some old Nordic God that's mean and might visit us with some kind of plague, right? Prayer has power because of God's authority, but prayer gives us peace because God is a good father. He is our father in heaven, not some angry guy in heaven, not some distant guy in heaven, not some person I'm trying to earn their affection in heaven. He is a good father in heaven. He is our father who sent his son to die for our sins so that we might be reconciled to him and become co-heirs with his son, Jesus Christ, that we are children of God. The Greek word father there probably translates most accurately as Abba. Romans 8.15 says this, if you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also might be glorified with him. I think, I think that's amazing. Have you thought about that? That God is all-powerful, but he's also a good father? We've talked about fatherhood. The reason I prefaced everything with fatherhood and talking about fatherhood and redefining fatherhood is because the foundation of the Lord's prayer is our father. So we need to redefine how God is a good father, a loving father, a gracious father, an unconditional love father, so that we can say, okay, our father is good. Like he's all powerful, but he's also my dad. Remember those fights you'd have at school? Like my dad's stronger than your dad. Like my dad can lift up a, I don't know, tire. You could be like, my dad can, you know, lift up a bench. And then you'd be like, my dad holds the universe in his hands. Right, right? You have the ultimate trump card with Father God. Maybe you didn't have an earthly father, but you're like, my dad spoke the world into existence. You know, you have this, like, powerful, like, can you just picture it, uh, like a junior higher saying that? And they'd be like, wait, who's your dad? It'd be like, God. Be like, Jesus? <laughs> You'll get that later. I think that's so amazing that God is infinitely powerful, but he's with us. He's so great that he holds the whole universe, and yet he holds my life in his hands. That's going to make you feel special. I don't, I, I've been annoyed with this idea, like, well, if everyone's special, then no one is. Not according to God. According to God, every life is special to him. Why is it special? Because he values it. You are special and important to God. And so the perfect place to start in prayer is we address you as our Father in heaven because it puts you in the right position. It puts it in the proper order of things. It, it, it puts things the way they should be. Because if it's out of order, it's chaotic. If I glorify myself, it's chaotic. If I glorify God, it's in the right order. See, giving or declaring who God is gives us perspective on him, gives us perspective in our prayer, and it gives us perspective on our life. It comforts me. God, God is a gracious and merciful father, but he's also powerful to make a way for me. God is with me. He sees my needs, and yet he is seated on an eternal throne reigning above all things. I might be scared of coronavirus, but he is not scared of coronavirus, right? Like, I might be able to, to have all kinds of things, but God is, is, is in authority and reigning above. Think about this. God is everywhere, but he's everywhere with you, right? God is all-knowing, yet he chooses to know you. You're not just part of a package deal. It's like, well, you know, I'm omniscient, so it's like, I mean, I guess you're part of the whole thing. Right, like he, he intimately knows you. He's all-knowing, and he intimately knows you. He's all-powerful, but he purposely fights for you. God sent his son to save the world, but he sent his son to save you. God so loved the world, but God so loves you. I love that. Jesus said, here's the formula. When you come before God, your mind's going to start thinking of all the things that are going to rush in. Have you ever had those prayers where it's like, I can't even say the words fast enough because I'm so overwhelmed with anxiety. Like, I remember, you know, just like, Lord God, I, I can't even get it out. You know what I'm thinking? Okay, amen. 
But he says, come before him and say, God, you reign. You're my father. You're with me. You love me. And you reign above all things. And so before I even jump into to any of this, I want to make sure you're in the right position. Because if you're in the right position, then I'll be the right, in the right position. And everything will be locked in sync and ordered the way it should be. Because when we begin by declaring who God is, we declare the authority and the peace of the prayer that we're about to submit. And I love that. Start your prayer. You're like, how do I start praying? Start your prayer by just putting Jesus on the throne. You're on the throne of my life, God. My Father, you're with me, but you're also on the throne of my life. You're on the throne of eternity. You're on the throne over all nations. And that, that right there, I think, takes a few moments. Like, how do I pray for more than two seconds? That, that right there takes a couple of minutes. God, you reign over all things. God, I know this seems great. God, I know this election is not only occupying my news feed, but it's occupying my brain. And yet you still reign over every nation that was and is and is to come. Right? You reign. Declare his strength and might. God, you are mighty. You are strong. Thank you. Thank you, God, that you are not a weak God that we have to defend for you that we have to fight for you, but that you fight for us, that you have defeated death, hell, and the grave. Thank you, God, for your might. Declare his goodness. God, you are a good father. God, thank you that even though I didn't have a, maybe maybe for you, you're like, I, I didn't have a good fatherly example, but thank you that you are the good father that redefines fatherhood in my life. Thank you for being not only my father, but my father in heaven that has all the authority. Thank you for being my father that is with me. You're near even when I feel far. You're with me in my ups and my downs. You're with me to comfort me that you're safe. I can trust you. Thank you, God. The next part is hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Repeat that after me. Hallowed be your name. Let's say it. Okay, one more time. Hallowed. That's an interesting phrase, hallowed. We don't use hallowed very often. Like the closest maybe Halloween. <laughs> I like the closest we get with those letters, like in one order. You're like, oh, great, it's that kind of church. No, no, hold on. I'm, we're getting there. Not only are you our Father, God, and not only do you reign, now it says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means to honor as holy. Which really makes you think about some words. Honored as holy. Honored as holy be your name. And, and the name means more than just like uh, the letters of his name or just the actual like word of his name or, 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 or just the idea of like don't use it in vain. It's saying honored be your name. Your name and the word name there is the word anoma, which means person or reputation of character. The, the idea of your name and, and your name would be like we still use it today like, oh, someone, you know, you know you know, had my name in their mouth, right? Like someone's like talking about me. They're saying things about who I am, right? They're not literally saying like, man, the name Josh is so dumb. A J followed by an O and an S and then an H? What are they doing, right? That's not what they're talking about. <laughs> so I've been preaching in open room for two months. You're getting it all today. <laughs> it's only just me, Gianna, the band, Gianna trying not to laugh. Um, <laughs> But they're talking about the person and the character of God. Holy is everything about God. That's what you're saying. Hallowed be your name. Holy is the entirety. That means his promises are holy. Perfect, without evil, without blemish. His promises are holy. That means his ways are holy. His ways are without evil. They're perfect, without blemish. 
without deceit. His thoughts are holy, perfect. Everything about God is holy. To say God is holy is to say there's no trace of evil, no trace of sin in his entire character. He's perfectly pure and holy and good. God is so holy. And then if you ever made this jump, and I am so not, right? And then you're like, maybe like sad for like five minutes. But then you're like, oh, wait, no, I remember. I remember who God is, right? Because though God is so holy and there's a separation due to sin, and, and I think that's important, There is a separation due to sin. Isaiah 59 says this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Isaiah is is prophesying to the people of Israel saying, listen, your sins are causing a separation between an unholy people and a fully holy God. So their answer then was to do what? Sacrifice lots of animals. And all the ritual cleansing and following the law. But praise the Lord that Jesus came as the once and for all sacrifice to take our sins. And now we have the righteousness of God that we can draw near to God. There is no separation through Christ Jesus. So though God is infinitely holy and we are not, we still have incredible and unlimited access to God because of Jesus Christ. Amen. So Hebrews 10, 19 says this. 19 through 25, if you want to read it back later, it says this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way he opened uh, for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, his death, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and in full assurance with faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. How do we pray? Begin by declaring who God is. And the next thing he teaches us is to declare God's holiness. This is what I love. When prayer puts God in the right position, it puts my heart in the right position. Because two people cannot sit on the same throne. And I think that my butt has worn down that cushion long enough. That is God's throne over my life. That is his authority. And his place. So when I put God in the right position, it also puts my heart in the right position. And I can begin to come with a humble heart before God. See, prayer brings a humble and eternal perspective when it's centered on God. Praying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's this balance, right? God, God, you're infinite in power, authority, and you are intimately with me. And so I respond in reverence to your complete holiness. Right, I, I don't pray in hoping that you're so holy and I'm so not, and then maybe you'll let me near you. But I respond to the fact that your son has gone to the grave, defeated death on the grave, rose again so that I might have access. And I say, oh, my goodness, I might need to respond to that somehow. Amen? 
Like, I might have some kind of response to God being infinitely holy on the throne, being infinitely powerful and intimately with me and recognizing, wow, God is so holy and so mighty and loves me so deeply. He is so merciful to me. He is so gracious to me when I didn't deserve it at all. And so I say, man, God, help me to live a life that responds to that correctly. Not that you're forcing me, not that you're coercing me, but that it's birthed out of this reverent love for you. Wow, God, you are so holy, and I am so not. But that doesn't make me sad. That just makes me so thankful for you. May I live today in a way that honors your holiness. You ever prayed that? Start your day off with, God, may I live today in a way that honors in reverence. May I live a reverent day. That would be an interesting prayer. I wonder what your day would look like. What would your Tuesday look like if you started off saying, God, may I live today in reverence of who you are? I don't know. Try it. See what happens. What's the worst that could happen? When prayer starts by recognizing the love and authority of God, he's placed, when he is placed on the throne of our heart. See, it begins by saying, God, I, you're on the throne. You reign. You have authority. And so now I respond to that. I respond to that, and I say, God, may I live accordingly. See, when I'm on the throne, everything's out of alignment. You ever had that? When, like, you've tried to reign over your life, your finances, your relationship, your family, your attitude, your future. I think the world has just collectively taken one collective breath and gone, oh, my gosh, we're not in as much control as we thought we were. Like, all at once. <laughs> it's like. But we're so enlightened in the postmodern era. How do we not intimately control every detail of the future? Like, surprise, you don't. <laughs> You're not on the throne. You don't have power and authority. You are a finite being that's going to live for 90 years. Then you're going to die. Then you're going to go back to the dust. That's what happens. We're not infinite. Our eternity secured through Christ. That is what makes us eternal. But we are not great and mighty. We are not awesome in power. We are not holy. God is all of those things. And so when we sit on the throne and go like, I'm so holy, I'm amazing, I'm the best, it puts everything out of order. But when we put God on the throne, like everything goes into order. Don't you love when like things just click into order and like feels good? Any like OCD people, they get your shoes all in order. You get, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's so good. You get like the pots and pans and you get the cups and it's just like, anybody? You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, oh my goodness, praise the Lord. Like when you're watching your kid play with Legos, they have three and there's a space and then a fourth one. You're like, come on, man, just put that one there. Click, and you're like, oh, my goodness, thank you. <laughs> like, thank you. <laughs> right? That's what happens when God's on the throne of our heart and our prayers. When God's in the right position, then I can be in the right position. And my right position is in a humble response to the love of God, to be his child. To say, God, I thank you. And then I begin to respond to the love of the Father rather than feeling like I have to earn it or prove myself on his throne. Like, no, it's okay, God, I'm in, I know I'm on the throne, but I got it. Don't worry. I can just respond to it in light of how infinitely holy you are, God. May I live. May I walk. 
may I pursue you. You know I'm going to make mistakes, God. You know I'm going to trip and fall. That's why I'm so thankful that you're a merciful father. But may I live in reverence to you. Help me to remember today that you are God and I'm not. What if your prayer went like that? God, I thank you for your might, your goodness, and you declared for a moment the authority of God, and then it shifted to God. May I live in a way that responds accordingly to that. How might that affect how you talk to your family? How might that affect how you talk to that person that you don't like? How might that affect how you treat your coworkers? How might that affect what place you give fear in your life? What would that do? What would change? I'm about to band up this morning. I want to encourage you if, you, if you do those two things, can I tell you, you're going to start your prayer and your prayer time, even if you're like just new to prayer, this is all you do. You don't even ask God for anything. You just start with this. That is going to change the way you feel. I guarantee you it will remove a level of anxiety from your life. Because anxiety is linked to control. That's where panic attacks come from. Panic attacks arise when we feel detached from our ability to control. So we have practices of different things that you can do that, that, that ground you to something that is known. So it's repeating a thing, remembering an experience, saying words, whatever it might be. I don't know if you have these panic attacks. Um, my mom's an amazing therapist, and she's always posting stuff on mental health, so I'm fascinated by it. But I think about that, what is known, what is grounding, what is secured is Christ on the throne of our life. And so if you put him on the throne and you humble yourself before him, you are secured. You are secured in him. And you feel that comfort instead of chaos. You feel that there's a gentleness to prayer. Did you know that? There's a power to prayer. There's a gentleness to prayer just resting in the authority that God has over the things you're facing. God, my job is a mess. And I know that's where I want to jump in and just say, God, I, my job is a mess. I'm frustrated. I'm exhausted. God, I feel one way or another about this coronavirus, people going out or people staying in, and I just want to fight with everybody on Facebook. Maybe instead, we just start a prayer with God, our Father. Oh, man, that means it's their Father, too. Our Father who reigns in heaven. He's not just with me. You have all the authority. Hallowed be your name. May your name be honored today by my heart and my life. And so I submit it to you. How do you pray? How do you start? You declare who God is and you declare his holiness. We developed, I sat down with my brother Jensen, a spiritual brother. He has a physical brother. but And we developed this liturgy for you to pray and kind of walk through it to worship through. And then there's a whole list of scriptures, and we have them in the back in our I Said Yes table, uh, or we have them online if you go to banner.church slash liturgies, or if you want to go right to the cut to the chase, just go to banner.church slash Lord's Prayer, all one word, no accents or marks, just banner.church slash Lord's Prayer. And you can read this, but I want to read it over you. So would you do this this morning? Would you stand with me? And I want to pray this over you. And as a response to this, we're going to sing this song. What a beautiful name. And really honor the name of Jesus this morning. And in that time, I'm not doing a specific prayer over you other than this, but I want you to pray and seek the Lord and go through those two things. So simple. Declare who God is and declare his holiness in your life. 
I want to read this. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I want to declare this over your life this morning. Then we're going to worship. And if any of my prayer team are here and are available, we're just going to be gathered here in the front ready to pray with you. If you're online watching, we have a team that would love to pray with you. If you click a live prayer right now, they'll pray with you. But I want to read this over you. And then I'm going to invite you this week to go online and just every day, just read through this and just read one of the scriptures and allow the Holy Spirit to guide and minister to your heart. Have we not all one Father, our Father? Have we not all one God, Yahweh? Our Father who is near even when we feel far. Our Father who is with us at our highest and our lowest. Our Father who is a place of refuge and trust. You, O oh God, were not made by human hands and are not limited by temples made with human hands. You created all things and you reign above the nations. You are seated on your heavenly throne. Holy are you, God. Holy are your promises. Holy are your ways. You are so holy. You are so great. What offering can we bring that is worthy? What can we do but give you our all? We will honor your name by seeking your holiness today. Amen. I want to pray over you this morning. One thing. God, I pray over every heart right now. God, I pray that as we come before you this morning, we declare who you are, that you are God our Father. And we declare your holiness. And Lord, as we're praying those things together in this moment, whether here at Scottsdale or online, I pray that you would reveal more of yourself in Jesus' holy name. Jesus' holy name, amen.